Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Better Words. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, we had the most like surreal week. Oh my God. It has just been the craziest three days. And you know, it is always like when you get back from holiday and you just get back to your desk and you're like, oh, I have emails. I have to go to a meeting and it's like... Like, yes, people in my office asked about Brisbane Writers Festival, but, like, you know when you sit down and you're like, no one cares that we met Veronica Roth. (laughs) Okay, so I work with a lot of bookish people and they were really lovely and were really excited. But I was so tired because, guys, we got home at 1 a.m. and then we went to work the next day and I was so tired and I just, I think (sighs) – I'm such an introvert I need time away from people to like and it was a pretty people heavy for oh like I'm so proud of us because we networked so much and like we met so many people between us we went to nine separate sessions each Mm -hmm. apart from our own obviously Mm -hmm. um so nine sessions for author talks and stuff like that we um went to like a party we had like a murderino meetup like we did an amazing did job. Some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, which like is particularly amazing given I'm such an introvert. But like we didn't have any downtime away from those people. No, and like I don't count being with you as like being around people because like I'm that comfortable with you now. It's like being around Jack. But um it just was like there was no I was kind of like, oh, I don't want anyone to ask me anything about this. Like I just can't like and in fact, like one of um, one of the girls was like, how did it go? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I will tell you in a few days, but I can't right now. Like I just. And see, I function completely differently. Like it's I. Well, I can be like that sometimes, but I got to work and everything. And on Monday we had a morning tea. Um, so we went upstairs at about 10, you know, and everyone was in the office for morning tea and a few different people asked me and I was like, it was amazing. And I was like, we met so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I don't know, um, what's it? Cause I wouldn't have ever really said that I'm a full extrovert, but maybe like an extrovert, an introvert or something. Cause yeah. I do, you know, depending on the people and how I'm feeling and I was feeling still pretty excited and everything. Yeah, so like I, you know. I- it's, it's really hard to explain, but, like, I just felt super drained. Mm-hmm. But then, like, for those four days, I was, like, super switched on and really chatty and, you know, I wouldn't yeah. have seen Yeah, you were, way. actually. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's, it's like. And, like, I know you so well, I kind of thought that you were going to, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you decided to just, like, wag Sunday, to be honest. <laughs> no, that's yeah. when all the crime stuff was on. Yeah, yeah I know. It was too busy. You didn't really have a choice. Oh, I really but... wanted to, though. Oh, yeah. boy. But you yeah. did a good job. Thank you. But, yeah, it's just that, like, being around people thing. But Sunday was probably my favourite day because yeah. we finally got to meet a lot of people and I had a lovely lunch with um, an ex-colleague of mine who moved to Brisbane and we just got like – because we caught up for some sessions as a group but it was yeah. nice to just go have lunch with her and like fully just get to chat and that was really lovely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Sunday we got to meet Lauren Cheetah mm-hmm. um, after her disastrous <laughs> – 
Yes, flight no, all delays. flights from Sydney were not happening over the weekend, so that affected the festival, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and we also got to meet Ali and Michelle book from Ninja. the Book Ninjas um, and Books on the Rail, and that was so good to meet them, yeah. actually. Um, and it was very funny because, as you know, that other pair of bookish brunette best friends, one of whom we is were, called Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> we were mistaken for them a couple of times. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so lovely, though, because we got in the lift and someone mistook us for them and I was like oh no I am a Michelle though and then she was like I recognize your voices you do better words and we were like oh yes no we were recognized you know and she was but she was a bit like oh that was probably creepy and we were like no no oh my god we loved that we were so so excited thank you you know who you are yes Yes, you (laughs) do and I know you're listening to this (laughs) (laughs) well I hope so yeah yeah um but I think like the thing is that pro- probably both of us, because because we did go to see nine sessions and only a couple of them were together. Mm. I think we saw what like three I together. Know, I yeah, yeah. Um, I think both of us are gonna write a bit about it yes. separately on our blogs. So for more like in depth discussions, yeah, stay tuned. Have a look at, like have a look at our blogs. We're both working on those posts at the moment. Um, but I guess the main thing. I wanted to say was like I just came back really inspired and yeah there were so many amazing people um I was really impressed with the amount of crime sessions that were on or like crime related things that were on yeah um, and like maybe not for you there was a lot of crime on so I think you probably focused a bit on that but there was um, a lot I of actually, other stuff on though too. I, well there was a lot of other stuff on and that's what I was going to say is that I feel like the sessions I went to were all quite varied I mean I went to you know, the Love YA sessions, a couple of sessions on thrillers. I did go to a crime one with you. Like, I feel like it was really quite varied and I, it was so interesting. I'm, I'm addicted. Like, I have yeah. to go back. Yeah, like, like I, I can't wait to go to more. I, I want to say Brisbane Writers Festival again, but you guys all, <laughs> if you've listened for a while, know that I want to be overseas this time next year. So, like, I've, I've, but more bookish events oh in my general goodness. because I haven't been yeah. to anything yeah. like that before. And you know I what I'm super excited for that I want to go to so badly when we move to the UK, and I've talked about it before, is the Hay Bookstagram meetup. Oh. And that is um, where they do that um, Hay Festival, which I would also love to go to Oh, in is that Wales. the town with like heaps yeah. of bookshops? Oh, yes, you have Yeah, so they, they did like the first – Bookstagram meetup was this year, but they have a very well-known literary festival, um, which I would just love to go to. But yeah, gosh, I am, you know, what will be exciting about living in the UK, hopefully, is that things will be closer and we won't, (laughs) we won't have to take an eight hour train trip to get home from them. Um, Because I mean, that's the only downside is that um, it was amazing, but it was so worth it. It's so worth it. And we are... I guess the only other thing we should kind of discuss, like see our posts, our blog posts for like individual wrap ups, but jointly, obviously we chaired two sessions with Veronica Roth, which were beyond belief. Were amazing. More than I could have ever expected or imagined. I know it was, it was so much more than I imagined. Veronica was such a lovely, gracious, warm person Mm. to and absolutely hilarious oh, oh, absolutely hilarious but like I especially felt like 
I felt we were chatting. It wasn't, it didn't feel like an interview too much. Like it was really wonderful. Even though obviously we had prepared, it didn't feel too structured in the conversation. It was was good. And hopefully you guys can judge that for yourselves because fingers crossed, technical issues all like, because you know what we're like with technology. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) all going well, we should be able to um, publish our the recordings of those sessions um so hopefully that will be sooner rather than later but Um, we will keep you updated yeah hopefully we will be able to bring you like a separate like our interview with her and then our plan is to also do like a separate q a because the kids who asked questions in our sessions were incredible yes they were awesome they had some really great questions yeah so yeah so yeah we are just very very grateful hashtag blessed for this experience yes for the opportunity Um, but also caitlin like i know we keep saying how lucky we are and stuff but you saw i put this post up the other night Mm -hmm. and i tagged you in the original post that made me think of this but i think it's something like i think women tend to do more it's like i'm so lucky to be here but actually and um check out my instagram for um the yeah. like yeah, for the post, post that you put up but also it. like yeah. I tagged the person who originally wrote about her thing and that was like it wasn't luck we made this and we are lucky to have made this life that we really enjoy and we're really lucky see I'm still saying we're lucky we've worked really hard on and yeah we, we've worked hard on the podcast on our instagrams on you know reaching out to people yeah. to be on this podcast so it hasn't just and- come from nothing but we are very lucky to have lovely listeners um, who have supported us along the way and that bit we can't control. So we do really appreciate that. But yeah, it's, it's, um, I think it's something lots of women do. And I was like, no, we, I guess we have to say like, it wasn't like we did work really hard and put in a lot of hours into this. Um, so it was really, I don't know, if gratifying is the right word yeah I don't know I'm still so tired guys so I'm like yeah I said to Caitlin I was like you need to let me have time to have a nap before we record this because I don't have any words right now um yeah it's just humbling to have that experience yeah it was a really good lineup it was it was a really good lineup and like there are so many more things I would have loved to go to, but they were all on at the same time. It's such a fantastic lineup that we missed things. Yeah. And honestly, like festival aside, we still had a great time. We had a great time on the train. Yes. We read lots on the train. Caitlin finished an entire book. Yes, I did. Um, oh. A, a small one. You know what? What We had great Don't think doing. I finished War and Peace or something like that, but it was a small one, but still... I can say that I read a whole book on the train. Um, you know what we had fun doing? We finally finished watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we had fun on the train. We had fun in our Airbnb after some issues were resolved. Um, you know, watching TV together and stuff like that, yeah. which we don't have time to do. We don't do enough friend yeah. time things. Which we've discussed before, but yeah. yeah. So it was as fun and tiring and busy and everything as it was it was still a nice little break for us yeah and a really amazing experience that we got to share together yeah yay um i think before we finish this intro we should just talk briefly about crazy ex-girlfriend and the direction it took for season three like no spoilers because we still if people haven't watched 
it at all i mean what are you waiting for go and do it we highly recommend it like highly 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 and if you listen to us i think you will probably like yeah i think if you enjoy this podcast it's probably for you um if you don't enjoy this podcast like why why are you you listening listening? yeah (laughs) go turn it off and do something else with your life i mean thanks for the download but sure (laughs) yeah um so season three is just such an interesting turn that um rachel bloom has taken Mm. this character rebecca bunch on um a lot of stuff that she set up in the yeah. first series is like coming into the everything, everything play, that she's right? set up in the first and second season that was like things that you wouldn't really have thought of as being connected or yeah. as yeah as really meaning that much um overall and it's like she's saying no think about it and put it all together and like this is what has happened and it's so good it's so clever it's also such an interesting and um thoughtful exploration of um, mental health issues as well um so in this season and i don't think it's a spoiler to say this but in this season the main character Rebecca Bunch is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So there's a lot about that in there too. And I think what's interesting is it's it's not just like sorry. I think what's really interesting is it's not anxiety or depression that she has, but it's something that I guess is less talked about and yeah. seems from the distance like a lot scarier or like yeah. it's more misunderstood. I don't know too much about it. And so to see it explored in that way um, was very interesting. And I haven't actually done any research to make sure that, you know, it's all accurate and stuff, but given yeah, given, vibe, given the I fact trust that the show. Well, no, given the fact that I didn't have to watch that Sierra Burgess thing or insatiable to know that they had multiple issues I'm sure mm-hmm. if there had been issues with crazy ex-girlfriend we, we would have seen them by now because we follow the sorts of people who are writing about that. about that yeah. yeah so I trust that 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 was well written and I'm pretty sure that um, Rachel Bloom has like some sort of own voices um, experience as well. But it's it's just so interesting because it does sort of say, take that thing where there are so many like romantic comedy tropes that you're like, oh, that's kind of cute or whatever until the situation is reversed. Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, oh, or, that's or creepy. Or exaggerated mm. just a, or maybe paired with something else that's yeah. happened and it's like, oh, yeah, I know. And it's such an interesting character study in like the unlikable character, mm-hmm. which we talked a lot about with Veronica Roth um, and <laughs> the fact that re- like – Rebecca is such a horrible character and she by this point well you know she makes mistakes and does things to other people and you know you like we really question a lot of her decisions yeah. while we're watching the show by, together by season th- by the end of season three I've got to say like she doesn't have that many redeeming qualities like mm-hmm. she's let down a lot of people in her life and she continues to do that over and over again and yet we keep watching it and we can't wait for another season because we're invested in her. Um, 
and you kind of want her stuff to work out, even though you're like, oh, this is so wrong. I know, I know. But you're like, no, fix yourself. You can make it work. <laughs> Which like, is exactly the power I mean, fix yourself of is a terrible character. Thing to say, but yeah, no, like just stop making those bad, bad. I just want her to learn and be a better version of herself. Yes, (laughs) yes, which she's tried many times and she keeps lapsing, which is also very true to real life because it would be easy for her to write this show and have her fixed and be like, oh, look, she's fine, but she keeps relapsing and she keeps doing things that harm other people and yet she's like one of the best characters on TV because it feels real. Yeah. So, yeah, really like, oh, love it. Oh, if you've watched awesome season show. three, please, please message us and discuss it with us. Yes. Oh, we'd love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And I can't wait for season four. I'm sure it will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I love Nathaniel. Me too. He's so gorgeous. I love him so much. Also, all the Harry Potter references. Oh, yes, please. Yes. More of. Thank you. And you know what? Like, there's that because I never understood the Josh thing. Like, I don't like Josh. Yeah, and I never understood. I was always rooting for Greg. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I liked I Greg like more too. too. But Greg mm-hmm. had his own issues. He did, Alcoholism. Yes. yes. Um, which we didn't, yeah. Like, again, another thing that's explored in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, such a great show. It's so, good. so clever. Probably one of the best tv shows i've seen simply because it is it manages to be so hilarious while at the same time discussing really serious things and And then i mean throw in the songs oh yeah (laughs) not to mention the musical theater oh it's it's so good yeah really really good so i'm glad we finally got to watch that and now we're watching good news together yes which is quite fun so far oh wait is it great news great news good news oh gosh new show on netflix about like a journalism room that's news the wrong word. Room? a newsroom <laughs> yes um where a tv producer her mum joins as an intern an older intern it's just quite cute yeah. and i feel like i've seen the mum somewhere before yeah, yeah no i can't she remember who so she's familiar yeah um but then I couldn't remember until we watched it and I was like who was that person and then the they played like the credits and it said Nicole Richie and I was like oh <laughs> yeah no I picked I picked her up um and the guy who plays like the boss too is quite familiar like a couple of episodes and the guy who plays the lead news anchor i forget what his name is but he's the one in pitch perfect who like is doing oh, the commentary yeah. with um yeah he has that like yeah. old white guy commentator look about yeah. him doesn't he? and he's Perfect like for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh. in pitch perfect yeah exactly <laughs> he's like oh they're not gonna win because they're women <laughs> oh so um after after all that i think we're um we're going to put our feet up for the rest of the week, really. Yeah, Just kind of recover. Um, keep an eye out. Follow our blogs for our posts. Yep. And keep an eye on our Instagram to hear more about uh, Brisbane Writers Festival and the Veronica Roth episodes. Um, but for now, listen to our lovely chat with Lucy from The Literary Edit.
Our guest this week is a writer and blogger who was this year named the London Book Fair's Book Blogger of the Year, which is totally amazing. She has a gorgeous Instagram feed. Her blog is super stylish and I love her book pics. So we are super, super pleased to have her join us on the podcast. Welcome, Lucy, from the Literary Edit. Hi. (laughs) Um, so I guess the, the best place to start would be to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into blogging. Yeah, of course. So um, I'll go, I've been blogging for I think about six, six or seven years now. I did double English at university. So I did a degree in English literature and language. And then around the time I graduated, there were like I think we'd just gone into a recession in England and there were no publishing jobs. So I was doing kind of internship after internship after internship and I think after about a year of unpaid internships my parents were like this is enough like time to get a job we don't care if it's with books or not so I segued into beauty PR and um while I was there I had an amazing boss who I'm still really really good friends with and she kind of said to me look if you ever want to get a job in books um I think you should start a book blog and she kind of said you know it's the only way to stand out these days anyone on their CV can say that they're a big or voracious reader and she was like if you have you know an online presence like a blog then that's your proof to future employees that you know you you are what you say on your CV um so that was kind of the, that was the birth of my blog, but I suppose a secondary inspiration behind it was um, shortly after graduating, I read um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier and absolutely adored it. And on the front cover, there was a sticker that said uh, it was part of the BBC Top 100. So I, I basically went online and Googled the Top 100 and downloaded the list and decided I was going to read my way through the Top 100 before my 30th birthday. Um, so then the the blog and that kind of happened around the same time and I decided that the blog would be my way of recording the books from the Top 100 that I had read and what I thought about them. So so yeah, that was that was kind of the birth of what used to be the unlikely bookworm and is now the literary edit. Well, that leads us right into the next <laughs> question then. Um, I do want to say first though that that's a pretty cool like book bucket list thing to mm. do. I I mean, I guess we all sort of have a general list of all these books that oh yeah, I'll read those one yeah. day, but an actual I, list an act, track I th- well I think that's I think that's almost why I did it because I think I mean you know I think lots of people that have done degrees in English literature like me I actually finished being quite surprised at how many classics I had managed to avoid I graduated <laughs> having you know I'd never read um any Jane Austen I don't think Dickens had been on my what do you call it your syllabus um I think I finished and you know I've been reading my entire life I've been reading since you know I could read or write or you know as, as long as I can remember um but I just remember thinking grief there are still so many books left for me to read and I had you know I was very stuck in my ways I absolutely adored you know Joanne Harris she was probably my um my favorite author at the time and I really loved Kate Moss um the writer not the model everyone always gets <laughs> a bit confused when they haven't read, read the 
the books by Kate Moss. Um, <laughs> and having this list in front of me was just, um, it was just a really um, good way to kind of expand my reading repertoire, but with a, you know, kind of by setting yourself that challenge, it is like, right, it's not going to be one day I'm going to read War and Peace or Crime and Punishment. It was a way of kind of actually saying, okay, I, you know, I'm turning, I think I was 25 when I set myself the challenge and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm turning 30 in five years. That's a hundred books. That's, you know, 20 books a year. And I will, you know, I will get through them because I think as, you know, as readers, we are bombarded with new releases and then there are classics and there are modern classics. And, you know, even if we all read full time and didn't work, we we still wouldn't get through all the books we wanted to. Oh, never. It's oh. the eternal problem. There's yes. too many books and not enough time. <laughs> it really, really think, is. And Yeah, every every book lover has this moment where they're just like, I'm never, ever, ever going to read everything every that I want to. I always joke to my parents that when I die, I want to be like buried with all the unread books that I've kind of not <laughs> to get through during my lifetime. But it was a really good way to just kind of you know dedicate myself to to a list and to actually go okay you know here is a hundred books um and you know I will read them over the next five years and I mean some of them were just the most incredible life-changing um books some of them I absolutely hated um (laughs) yeah like I would I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend them to my worst enemy but it was it was definitely kind of a great satisfaction to kind of get through them and to have gone yeah you know I I haven't left it until oh you know one day because I think I think the danger as I'm sure you both know as we've just discussed you know is Mm -hmm. is there are so many books that a lot of the time, unless you kind of are forced to read some of them, you probably won't ever read any of them. And there was some on that list that I really, really did want to read. And I just thought, well, it's now or never. So, so thankfully it was, it, it did happen. And I did by the skin of my teeth, finish the top 100 of it. I think it was about 10 44 PM on the eve of my 30th birthday. So it was, it was a, <laughs> that massive, is cool. oh, it was such a relief. It was such a relief to finish it. That that's is, a, that's a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> I think to have set that out and to have actually done it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can all say we'll read however many books this year or that year, or I'll read that one day, but yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, so back to your blog, <laughs> yeah. you did mention, um, that you have changed the name yeah. of your blog and your brand to From the Unlikely Bookworm yeah. to the Literary Edit. Yeah. So why, how, when, what? Yeah, so it was a really, really difficult decision. And I know that sounds ridiculous because a blog is a blog and, you know, the name is, you know, neither here nor there. Um, the Unlikely, one of, one of my really, really uh, close friends back in London came up with the unlikely bookworm when I was debating what to call my blog and it just mm-hmm. um it just fit it was my friend Eleanor who I was working with at the time and she just said it and as soon as she said it I was like yeah of course like that's perfect because you know I think we all have a you know there's a stereotypical stereotypical bookworm of you know a bit of a 
bit of a nerd and you know what have you and at the time I was you know my early mid-20s and you know parting my way around London and what have you and it just it just really fit and it kind of almost became kind of this like alter ego of mine you know I'll be out at parties (laughs) and you know you come across like a certain way and then you know you say to someone oh well you know I'm I've actually I've got a blog called the unlikely bookworm and I've just finished war and peace and you know I've just <laughs> read a Salman Rushdie and you know it was it was a very it was an extension of myself and I absolutely loved it and it was you know a real kind of the birth of my career and um you know even just having that kind of social media presence online is still a fairly new thing to a lot of us um and yeah it was a really it was a really really difficult decision but I think I'm 32 now and um last year I was kind of uh traveling a bit and thinking about what I wanted long term for my blog and I thought you know I do I do still want to be doing this when I'm 40 and 50 and 60 you know I want it to be a something that I'm doing for life and I just thought Oh, if I'm like, you know, 48 year old mother with three children calling myself the unlikely bookworm might not have the same kind of, you know, irony that it did when I was a 25 year old girl partying my way around London. Um, <laughs> and I, I pondered it for ages and ages. And I was like, oh, you know, I came up with a couple of other names that have been taken. I think I've was like oh you know the roaming reader because I kind of thought oh you know I want it to combine my travel with my books but Mm -hmm. nothing really um nothing really stuck so I think it was about nine months that I was debating it and I kind of decided you know if I can't if I can't come up with anything then I'll I'll remain the unlikely bookworm until my dying day and then I think (laughs) I just um it just came to me one night I think I think um, there are a few websites called The Something Edit and it it tends to be kind of um, fairly kind of stylish websites and it it gives, I think it gives kind of an overarching theme rather than, um, I think The Unlikely Bookworm was more of a persona rather than a themed website, I suppose. And um, mm-hmm. so it came to me, I kind of, sat with it and I it was quite upsetting I was like oh god I, I don't know if I'm ready to say goodbye to the unlikely bookworm like it had been such a part of my life for such a long time but I when I decided to do it I then just kind of went all guns blazing um I was back in Berkshire at the time at my mum and my stepdad's and I oh grief it was it was so much more work than I think I had anticipated because you know there's lots of things like business cards and email addresses and your Instagram handle and your Facebook your Facebook page and you know every everywhere you are on the internet um you know it it kind of needs to change so it was I did it fairly quickly but it was still quite a lot of work I think um I changed, I decided on a new theme for my website, which I have a fantastic kind of website designer, um, Liz, who helped me out with that. And I just kind of got really clear on exactly what it was um, 
what it was going to look like and what the content was going to be and what the kind of slight differences were going to have been from the unlikely bookworm to the literary edit. Um, And, you know, just kind of boring stuff like, um, you know, when you change your Facebook, the name of your Facebook page, you actually have to apply for it. It's not something that happens automatically. You have to apply for it because Facebook wants to make sure like you're not deceiving your fans and you haven't kind of sold your page or something. So stupid things like that, that you don't really think. And then um, Instagram wouldn't let me have um, the literary edit or no, I don't think even the lit edit because I think my handle's the underscore lit edit, I think. Um, And even though the lit edit wasn't taken on Instagram, it just, they just wouldn't let me use it. So it was just kind of all those really boring admin things that, you know, you kind of think is not going to take long at all. And then that's what drags it out. Um, And then because I was back in London at the time, and I've got, you know, quite a good relationship with lots of publicists back in the UK, I did a mass mail out to everyone saying, hey, you know, this is my, you know, I've relaunched my blog. Here's my new blog. Um, Here is my new address. Uh, Feel free to send me any books. And then the poor postman just, I think for about a week on end, we just got sacks and sacks of books in the post. And my mum was like... (laughs) you are going back to Australia in a few weeks. Like, what are we going to do with everything? And I was like, oh, well, everyone's getting books for Christmas this year. Because, um, (laughs) yeah, I don't think I was the postman's favourite person. Um, And then, yeah, since then, it's just, um, it's kind of gone from strength to strength. I do do sometimes miss kind of the unlikely bookworm and, you know, everything, but just the kind of that persona that I had. But I I think the literary edit is is more suited to kind of where I want to take my blog. And it was quite funny because some of my friends were like, yeah, yeah, you you know, it was a good idea to change the literary edit. I think think the unlikely bookworm was, you know, that, you know, naff now kind of bit immature for where you are. Whereas a few of my friends are like, oh, just really miss you as the unlikely bookworm like I don't like the literary edit as much so definitely had a bit of mixed feedback from kind of friends and family <laughs> I guess you can never please everyone can no, you and you know it's nice it shows that some of my friends were kind of as attached to the unlikely bookworm as I was um, do you have any tips for other bloggers who might want to do the same thing? I mean, you said especially there were there were things there that you hadn't thought yeah. of, admin stuff that would take a lot longer yeah. than you expected. Well, I, supp- for, I I definitely think the most important thing is make sure you are absolutely 100% sure of the name. I think had I gone, you know, there were a couple of other things that I had thought of. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, maybe. I think it's really, really important. A, not to make a rash. I I made a rash decision in that as soon as I landed on the literary edit, it was, I think I turned it around in about 10 days. Um, But it had been in the pipeline, I think for most of last year, I'd been umming and ahhing about Mm. changing it. So I'd, I'd definitely say like, don't make a rash decision um, and make sure that, you know, when you have made that decision, I guess 
the easiest thing the way I did it in the end was I just made a spreadsheet of where everywhere I was online so you know you need to make sure that the domain name is available and you know whether you want dot com or dot com dot au or dot co dot uk depending on um where you're based um and I I know there is a website which I wasn't aware of at the time and this is going to be really useless for me to say because I don't know what the name of the website is but I know there is a website where you can put in a name and it can it shows you on Instagram Twitter Facebook Pinterest and everything what's available um so I've done that too because the company I work for rebranded last year but I don't remember the name of it either (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm sure I'm sure it can be googled um and just I think also um I think it's really important as well which is a bit of a you know a bit of a not talked about as much but kind of get behind self-promoting yourself um you know when I we struggle with that so much it's really awful and you know it's such a kind of oh god no no one likes being that person that's like really salesy but I was like I'm not going to all this work um for nothing so that's when I decided to just do the mail out I was like you know there's no other way of me kind of you know reaching this many people um and I mean I'm useless my my friend Chris helped me with the mail out I was like I've got all these email addresses and I don't know how to do the mail out so I think I just sent everything across to her and she did the mail merge or whatever it is that um that you have to do to you know send a mass email out but you know and I think I I I kept I kept my readers up to date I did a blog post prior to changing the name I think Mm -hmm. it was called changes afoot for the unlikely bookworm and then I did one launching the literary edit because you know there's you you don't want to go to lots of effort and then it just be tumbleweed and everyone to be like oh (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize you changed. Or you know, you you, yeah. you want it essentially to be a, a kind a kind of traffic driver, I suppose, and a and a yeah. You have to make a bit. Yeah, yeah, and you need you need to kind of make sure that you are making people aware of what um you know what changes are what what the reason behind it and what differences they're going to see from your blog and I definitely but yeah I definitely think the most important thing is probably just just to make sure you are definitely 100% clear and happy with whatever it is that you've chosen because you know it's not it's not I mean obviously if you're a web designer or a coder you can do it completely for free but there's a lot of man hours that go into it and um, you know I did pay my web designer to help out with the rebranding um and I definitely I I do also think if you are going to rename your blog it's worth giving your blog a refresh I think if you're just switching names but it's still going to look exactly the same and have exactly the same content I would be a bit like hmm might not be worth it just you know Mm -hmm. just to do just for a different name so I'd I'd try and um use it as a way to kind of navigate kind of different content on your blog or something yeah I think that's a that's a great tip um I know the self-promotion stuff though oh like I don't want to be that annoying person but at the same time I feel like sometimes with my posts I'm just like thinking to myself oh I've written something really great but then the way I portray it online is just like 
I'll, um, here's yeah. something I wrote, like, have a look. I mean, it's probably crap, yeah. but have a look. Um, you know, you don't have to, but if you want to, if you want to have a look. Out. And yeah. I tried something the other day. I tried, I realized I rarely ever post two like Instagram photos promoting one of my blog posts, even though I'll take like multiple yeah. photos of the one set up. And I tried the other day posting something. Um, it was about nonfiction books. And I was like, I'm just going to like, um, republicize the fact that I've written a post about this. And the response was really good. And when in my head, I'd been like, oh, people are going to be like, oh my God, she's still talking about this. Jeez, you know, like, (laughs) but the response was really, really great. And I got some people saying like, I'll read this post down because I saw that I, I I love seeing stuff about nonfiction or whatever it may be. I was like, oh, oh, I should do this more often. (laughs) And especially with things like the Instagram algorithm, like you don't know who's saying what the first time around versus the second time around. Mm. I don't know if um, if anyone know. Uh, she's she's pretty famous in um, the UK. Emma Gannon. She yes, yes. No, Michelle's obsessed oh, with okay. Emma Gannon. And of course, were you the one that had um, Control Alt Delete on your book pile? Yes. Okay. Yep. That was the photo yeah. I posted the other day. So Emma Gannon wrote a great article on Grazia online or I think, or it might have been the pool. It was for a UK publication, but she it was called something like why we all need to be shameless in our self-promotion. And I kind of read that and I was like, right. And, you know, like my mum is more of, promotes me more than I do. We kind of, whenever I'm back home and we go into a bookshop, my mum's like, oh, my daughter's a blogger. And I'm like, shut up, mum. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh my mum too and, you know yep. it's such a ridiculous thing like you go into a bookshop and they're booksellers and they want to talk to people about books but I'm like oh you're so cringe like they're gonna think yep. you know they're gonna think that I'm really boastful and I recently um reached out to a literary festival about a potential partnership and a friend of mine is a really fantastic PR girl she I knew I know her from London we were in London together for 10 years and she's Australian she's now back over here and I was like oh you know I want to reach out to this festival and she said okay you know put in the subject line potential collaboration with award-winning book blogger and I was like oh my god I cannot put that in the subject line that's so (laughs) and she was like yes you can like you you have to If, if you know you're asking a literary festival to do a collaboration with you like put in that you're a war winning book blogger and oh I died I sent the email but I was honestly like dying inside I was like oh my god they're gonna I completely understand think I'm just the most the worst person in the whole world and it's it's I think it's definitely a female thing that we kind of have to overcome as women um but I I think that for most people kind of self-promotion is is never something that sits well with a lot and I think it's I think it's something that you learn as you go don't you You kind of sometimes you just have to you know yeah you do find yourself getting a little bit better at it um even today actually um I was at uh, like at work today I was just like I grabbed my book and my lunch to go and read outside on my lunch break and then like when I came back I put my book on my desk (laughs) and continued to work and I was like a little part of me wanted someone to yeah. ask, 
what I was yeah. reading because I was reading Carve the Mark because we're going to be talking to Veronica Roth at Brisbane Writers Festival and I'm really proud of <laughs> yeah. that and I was like I kind of want someone to yeah. ask. We're so proud but, of it. That but I still haven't told anyone. <laughs> we're so proud of it that it took us until this week to actually really talk about it on yeah. social media though. I think because both of us were like oh if we say something it might not happen. I know. And there's still waiting part of- for them to email us and be like oh sorry no she's not coming you're not doing it never mind. Yeah. but I've already organized for we have a new um because I work at the local newspaper we have a new gossip column that um one of us is doing for fun and I'm already like we'll send you a pic of us with Veronica Roth Sean and like we'll have we'll be in the Fox Files and And, you know I think Emma Gannon's point was she was like the only way you know we can get ahead career career wise is to kind of back ourselves and self-promote and everything and you know it's it's kind of not not um not seeing it as a boastful or arrogant thing but just seeing seeing it as something that you're doing just as a matter of fact you know like with you leaving that book there that was kind of like yeah you know we're, we're interviewing her like it's not it's not a boastful thing it's not you kind of being arrogant or conceited it's just you know that's that's a fantastic achievement and, you know it's yeah I think I think self-promotion is always going to be a tricky one but I definitely think um Emma Gannon's article on uh sh- being shameless in your self-promotion is a is a fantastic starting point we'll have yes. to um we'll I'll find it find it and link it yeah and I'm, read trying, it. I'm just having a quick google now actually as I'm on my laptop um I mean, it's true though, unless you're like Donald Trump, you're not oh, going exactly. to be good at self-promotion. Like if, if you're a normal human being, I think we all find yeah. it hard to talk about ourselves. I mean, everyone struggles with like job interviews and resumes and stuff yeah. because you don't want to talk yourself up, Yeah, but you've got to. Yeah. It's, one of my yeah. favorite, um, one of my favorite things is, you know, oh, we're all our own worst yeah. critic and we should be our own biggest fan. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great saying. Mm, I, I don't that. know where it came from. <laughs> I might have combined a couple of sayings and made it my own. So the Emma Gannon article was on the pool and it's called Success Secrets of a Shameless Self-Promoter. Oh, fantastic. We will will both read it and we'll link it as well on our website. Um, I want to go back to what you mentioned before, though, about being an award-winning blogger because this year you had an amazing achievement in that you were named the London Book Fair's Blogger of the Year. yeah, how, that must have it been was. amazing. It was, um, oh God, even now I'm like cringing. I'm like, oh, talking about the award. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> it was, go for it. It all happened very last minute. Um, I, I won't go into my visa issues, but I have, I've recently come onto a de facto visa with my boyfriend. And for the first three months of this year, I was on a tourist visa, kind of eagerly awaiting my bridging visa to come in so that I could have working rights in Australia. So I was, you know, twiddling my thumbs for three months. I mean, it wasn't too much of a hardship. I was living in Bondi at the time. So, you know, I was sunbathing and reading a lot. But um, I was, I know, I was was very much looking forward to my working rights coming through. And the day, and it felt like I'd been waiting for them forever, because Last year, I was kind of in and out of Australia. I lived in Bali and um, LA for three months as well. So it's been kind of a long time coming. And the day that um, my 
working rights came through, I got an email from London saying, you've been shortlisted for the London Book Fair, um, Book Blog of the Year Award. Uh, the award ceremony is next Thursday. Will you be here? And I was like, oh, my God, how the timing was just awful. Like I had, um, I think a, a <laughs> friend of mine had had sent me the um, the kind of link or whatever to to um the uh the kind of grief what am I trying to say to the application where you had to enter like two months previously and I had been in the southern highlands at um Bendulia State where there's a Berkeley book barn for a kind of long weekend and I did my application then and kind of forgot about it so when I got this email I was like oh my goodness I've, I'm finally able to work again after almost 14 months waiting after kind of uh including last year and um but I just thought I can't miss I can't miss this opportunity and you know I called my parents and they were kind of like oh you know it's opportunity of a lifetime you know we'll lend you the money we think it's worth you coming home and that was on a Wednesday and then on the Sunday I was on a flight home via LA and um, they, I also, as part of it, was interviewed by um, Mariella Frostrup, who's a quite a famous kind of arts journalist over in the UK. So I was interviewed on um, the BBC, uh, oh grief, what's the, I can't even think what, it's not Women's Hour. It's one of the book talks um, on the BBC. And they, uh, they were talking about um, the rise of book blogging. So I arrived, I think, mm-hmm. on Monday. Um, Tuesday morning I went up to London for the interview with the BBC and then the ceremony was on Thursday and oh it was it was amazing but I I I felt like there was so much pressure on me because I've flown all the way back from Australia and I was like oh grief if I've come back and I you know and I don't win and could just be like really awkward <laughs> and my mom and one of my sisters Jojo she came along and um you know my it it had kind of been kept hush hush because they hadn't released the shortlist but you know my family all knew Mm. because I was obviously I had flown back from Australia so I couldn't I couldn't kind of keep it entirely under wraps and we went up to the London book fair and I just felt like sick all day like I hadn't slept the night before and (laughs) I, I left my makeup in my stepdad's car when me and my mum were getting the train to London. And I, I, did, I did feel like quite sick for most of the day. Um, I think, you know, all my family were like, oh, you know, we think you've won. And, you know, you're, you know, you're interviewed by Mariella Frostrup. And, you know, I was the only blogger that was interviewed by her. So I was kind of, you know, that there was kind of, you're, you know, you're hopeful, but you don't want to be certain. And um, Emma Gannon was the one that was presenting the awards. And then the worst thing was, so there were three different categories. There was um, books to grammar, because, and this is the first year of the awards. So it was like the inaugural award ceremony. And there were, so I had no idea kind of how it was going to play out. Um, there was books to grammar, booktuber and book blogger and I thought book blogger they might do first but they did it last and the guy that won um bookstagrammer who I'm now friends with via Instagram Farouk he lives in Saudi Arabia and 
he wasn't there to collect the award. So they kind of said at the beginning, you know, if the winner isn't here, um, please can whoever has been sent on their behalf come forward. So they announced Farouk as the winner and a friend of his goes up to collect the award. And then the girl that won Booktuber, I can't remember her name. I think she's UK based. Um, and she wasn't there to collect the award either. So she had a friend uh-huh. go up for her. And I just thought, oh my God, I have flown in from Sydney. And the two other winners, because part of the reason I wanted to go was because I thought they're not going to um they're not going to give the the award to someone that's not there. You know, I I previously worked on the Women's Prize for Fiction for two years and I've been to two winner ceremonies since. And there's always an author or two that can't make it. But every year the winning author is someone that's there. So in my head, I thought they won't give it to someone if they're not there, which is part of my reason for going. And then I just sat there in this pool of absolute like mortification. I just thought... The two people that have won the two awards, not only were they nearer to London than, I mean, obviously Sydney's about as far away as you can get. And I was like, they still won. And I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have borrowed like a thousand pounds from my parents. I shouldn't have come here. Like I should be in Sydney job hunting. Um, And I was just there like, (laughs) this was a massive mistake. I'm really, really nervous anyway. And then um, they kind of, give you the reason I think it was um Emma Gannon or someone from the London Book Fair was uh reading kind of why the judges chose the site they did and um they I think they said oh you know it was a a very beautiful laid out site and I thought yeah that could be me and then they said oh she inscribes and all three of the shortlisted book bloggers were girls so that didn't give me an indication one way or another they said she inscribes the book into everyday life and I was like oh that could be me but not necessarily and I was like oh I wonder if the two other girls are thinking yeah that's me that's me like it what you know nothing was giving it away and then um then yeah Emma Gannon just said oh you know and the winner is Lucy from the literary edit and I just tried not to burst into tears I think I just sat in shock for a second and then it was it was quite bizarre because I was the only winner that was there so I went up to get my award and the two previous friends that had collected the awards for Farouk and um, the girl that won the book Tuba, they'd both given, you know, these very eloquent speeches and I had had nothing prepared. Um, so I was there and they were like, oh, do you want to do a speech? And I was like, no. I was like, do I have to? I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't think I can really string anything sensible together right now. And they said, oh, no, 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 you don't have to. And Oh, then I had to have my photo taken, which I absolutely hated. Like when you're on your own standing with an award, like I was, my toes were curling and I'm sure some of the photos are absolutely awful because I was like grimacing and the photographer was like, yeah, hold your award up and look really happy. And I was like, oh this is so awful like, I just I'm not a fan of having my photo taken so um but yeah so it was it was obviously like an incredible incredible experience and I did a kind of brief video interview with um the London book fair I think on the YouTube channel which is equally cringe uh me kind of all a bit flustered and red but no it was it was an incredible incredible 
um, experience. And really, you know, you do, you kind of like, okay, yes, my hard work was is worth it. It is paying off because you know, as I'm, you know, as as it is for many of us, you you know, you can write an Instagram post or a blog post and you know, not pour your heart and soul into it. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, there's a lot of work that goes behind, you know, your podcast and your Instagram and everything. And sometimes you're like, oh, God, you know, it's tumbleweed. Like, is anyone reading this? Is anyone listening to it? Is there any point in me devoting all this time and effort and energy? So it definitely kind of, um, it, it was a definite, you know, it was a lovely, it was a lovely reward for, the kind of the hard work I'll put into the rebrand and um certainly um certainly made the trip back to London worth it yeah yeah and I think it's so nice that you were interviewed on the BBC when this all started with the BBC list yeah yeah it was it was amazing I'm trying to think it was oh it was was it front row I know that I have it on it was um because I remember when I spoke to Mariella Frostshop and I and I told her about my um my various reading she was like oh grief you you don't just deserve an award you deserve a canon because I think I've been telling her that I've been getting up at kind of 5am um to read the the BBC kind of uh just I think in the in the lead up like the final final four weeks or whatever prior to finishing the top 100 I was having to get up at four or five a.m in the morning to um to finish reading them so I think she was pretty impressed by that and it was um it was BBC's open book so that was that was the program I was interviewed for but yeah it was definitely a nice tie-in kind of the fact that the BBC was what inspired my book blog and yeah being interviewed by them was definitely a bit of a pinch me moment I think you're supposed to hand in your security card um when you leave and I was like no this is this is staying with me forever this is kind of you know evidence that I've been on the BBC um so no it was it was it was fantastic and you know uh def an amazing accolade and um you know it's it's always nice when you're kind of you know your your work is recognized I suppose and especially with it being the first the first award the kind of industry awards in the UK it was it was really amazing to have won it. Oh, congratulations is, again. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and what, definitely well deserved. What a story. That's a great story. Yeah, I love that. that. <laughs> oh, no. I know. I think it was it was such a whirlwind. Yeah. I think everyone, <laughs> like, when I turned up at BBC, like, I was like, yeah, I was in LA and I had a really funny stopover in LA as well because I had a 12-hour stopover. So, no, it was, it was a fantastic story, one that I will add to my – book when I eventually get around <laughs> to writing it <laughs> maybe your book should be called the unlikely bookworm <laughs> oh maybe it should that would be a nice little title <laughs> yeah. speaking speaking of travel um it's obviously a huge part of the rebrand and of the yeah. literary edit um as a whole um yeah. and obviously you now live in Sydney but you've previously lived in London and yeah. um, travelled to a lot of places, like you mentioned, Bali, LA, all those yeah. amazing destinations. Yeah. Um, out of Sydney or London, though, which city do you prefer? Oh, this is the hardest question ever. <laughs> so, as a oh god, I don't know. So, I mean, they're so so completely different. I think my first my first year in Sydney, I was like, oh, never living in London again. Like hell no. Like Sydney is 
the most beautiful city on earth. Like I think it's, you know, the beaches, the coastal walks, the skyline, like, you know, I can almost see the bridge from where I'm sitting right now. And it never, ever fails to astound me with its beauty. What I miss desperately about London is the culture, the architecture, the history, um, the, there are book events on there every night of the week. You know, this is something I speak to my friend Emily about a lot. You know, we're both in Sydney now and she was in the book industry in both London and Sydney. And, you know, you could go to a book launch or a live podcast recording or, you know, uh, uh, there'd be a literary prize or something like constantly whereas in Sydney uh you just don't get that and I do I I have it's something that I struggle with a lot my heart is in Sydney but my career I feel would be much better off in London you know I'm I'm Mm. always invited you know because I I have London and Sydney kind of on my Instagram and my Twitter and everything I, I I've kind of done that deliberately because I don't want everyone in London to forget about me and I'm I'm always being emailed you know can you come to this book launch and this you know this literary salon and um you know my mum's still like darling there are lots of books in the post for you um (laughs) so what are you know I think the dream for me is you know eight months in Australia a year four months in London uh for lifestyle I think Sydney is the better city for Mm. for culture and books I would say London hands down so it's it's a non-answer I'm afraid I'm in (laughs) in Sydney at the moment so this is where um my preference lies currently um I do just wish there was more of a literary uh industry here I suppose yeah I think Absolutely. that's something I mean the thing with Australia is oh you know it's beautiful we're so friendly it's gorgeous whatever but we do not have the history right. and therefore do not have the culture yeah. and all of the stuff that goes with that yeah um so you know we do our best I mean in like we, we have the history obviously with Indigenous Australians yeah. but yeah. we don't have yeah. the same and you know I think yeah there's plenty of history but it's not like the same yeah, as, it's yeah. not kind of the literary I still think it is mind-blowing the first like when you go to Europe like I just mm. would be thinking oh my gosh I'm walking down this street that like if you try and even think of all the things that have yeah. happened in even just a tiny corner of London it just being someone who grew up and we grew up in um quite like Rockhampton is quite a modern city too like Mm. we do have 1800s buildings but that's quite that's That's the the oldest yeah Yeah. Yeah. so for us that's history and so to like my mind 200 years ago is like yeah ancient history and that's just not the case yeah so my mind was just blown going Mm. to to London and well to everywhere I went yeah in England and Ireland and, and it was even just, the you know the, oh, the same thing in Mexico the yeah authors and you know the the literary history that's steeped in the streets of London and beyond I, I don't know if either of you seen um Mary Shelley at the cinema no 
so I went to see that the other day. Um, I've not actually read Frankenstein. That wasn't on the top 100, but that's been on my list. Huh. I've read that one. I was assigned it in year nine. Oh, <laughs> I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah, I, bought I, a, it. I bought a copy in Ireland. I bought like a really amazing really? small press copy. I've not taken a photo of it yet and I really should. Um, but it's, there you go. That could be yeah, it's such a gorgeous copy though because um, that's one I really, really want to read. Um, sorry, well, yes. If, as and when you read it, um, if Mary Shelley's still on the cinema near you, I would absolutely recommend going to see it. It's such a fantastic production. And it's that kind of, um, those kind of films that really make me miss England, all the all the kind of period dramas and um, all all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think uh, someone did describe Sydney as being kind of the shallow blonde, and London as being like the educated blonde, <laughs> or something which I I hate to say, but it no, I kind of love it. I yeah. kind of, that's kind of accurate. I, I really like that. Kind of is horribly accurate, but I mean, uh, you know the. The beaches and the, you know, I, I'm obsessed with Byron Bay as well. I just was up there for the um, Writers Festival and a few places are as beautiful um, in terms of waterways as Australia. But yeah, I, I, I absolutely miss, I miss London. I miss my family and my friends and my mm. sisters and and the, the kind of book world over there, which is why I kind of tend to you know run back and forth between the two at times (laughs) I think that's one of the things I'm excited about with moving even though we're not going to be living in London moving to where are you moving to well we're actually not sure yet although um my boss is from Bristol originally and he's trying to convince us to move there my whole family's from Bristol. Every, everyone says it's really amazing. I've never been, obviously. No, yeah. I've never, I've never been to Bristol, but I've been to um, I've been to Bath, which is down the road from Bristol, and Bath is the most beautiful city. It, it's it's every you know it's where um, Jane Austen spent a lot of her life, and it's honey coloured stone and beautiful kind of boutiques. And if if I always say kind of if I moved back to um, the UK and I didn't live in London, Bath would be. The one Bath is kind of like my Byron Bay here. It's the place I loved. I loved going to collect to like escape the city when I was in London. Whereas here, I just go up to Byron Bay. <laughs> I went to Bath, um, but only for like it, it was a day, and I definitely right. was like, I need to go back. I need to oh. spend more time there. I tried to fit everything in. In, in one day and I definitely tried to do too much but um yeah, yeah we're kind of thinking maybe maybe Bristol um Amazing. yeah we also um really want to try Edinburgh as well be, but um I'm kind of keen like a lot of my friends live um I have a friend in Oxford and a friend in Hastings and I kind of would, oh. would prefer to stay like towards the south, at least south. initially yeah. just because I feel like it's going to be hard enough being and and you would have this as well um being away from everyone so if we're at least closer to some friends yeah. I feel like it, that might make it slightly easier also the appeal of being able to go to London for literary events and stuff is oh, just yeah. and theatre yes um oh my goodness um uh, I think I've already will go to lots of events with so my friend who lives in Hastings like she's always going to events in London I know it's just it's quite easy to get there easy by comparison when um when when, you think about Australia yeah when you think about Australia and um where we're from as well it's um it seems super easy to me (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, it is. It's definitely pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, um, speaking of Sydney and London, yeah, I'm interested to know, are there any books um, that you think particularly resonate with you as representing either Sydney or London? So London, probably the one I would say the most, which is an awful cliche, but Bridget Jones' Diary. (laughs) Bridget Jones. (laughs) Bridget Jones, like, I love the book. I love the film. I love it so much. Um, Yes. You know, I think for anyone that's worked in publishing or, you know, publicity, um, I think to me, Bridget Jones is like the best, the best kind of London. Like, I can't, I have one of my best friends, Beth, um, we all, it's like a tradition of ours. We always watch Bridget Jones together. So since I've moved here, it's like off limits unless I'm back. And it's like Aww. a Christmas tradition. Then it's like a treat ours. to get to watch it. Uh, yeah. And I just, yeah, Bridget Jones to me really encapsulates that. Um, I, you know, I think lots of people would pro- potentially say Dickens. Um, I've not, I've read a few of his. I read, um, Great Expectations mm-hmm. um, and The Tale of Two Cities. I think those are the only two. You know, he's, uh, I would say he's fairly evocative of London in a certain era, but I wouldn't, you know, it doesn't speak to obviously um, modern day London. So I think, yeah. So for me, um, Bridget Jones, Sydney, not so much. I've, I've read actually an embarrassingly few amount of Australian authors. One that I did read recently, who I, uh, which I loved, but I don't think it's set in Sydney. Is and I can never, I never know whether it's Breath or Breathe by Tim Winton. Oh, I think uh, it's Breathe. I think it's, I think it's Breathe. Breathe. Okay, um, that's not set in Sydney. I don't it's think set in coastal New South Wales, I believe. Is it? But not so, or WA. So, Oh God, I have no idea. He's from oh, WA. Okay. He might be WA. Okay. You can tell we read a lot of Tim Winton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're um, I I read Peter Carey Thirty Days in Sydney on the flight over here when I moved here. Uh, I like I can't really remember it, so I can't <laughs> I can't pretend to have been a massive fan. And yeah, yeah, I don't think I've really read. Um, I think the my favorite book by an Australian author is. Um, the Thornbirds by Colleen McCullough. And yeah. that was on the top 100, and I adored that. Um, I liked uh, A Town Called Alice oh, by yeah, Never Shoot. I have it, but I haven't read it. Mm. I got it in um, the Springs. <laughs> but again, not Sydney. So the answer to the Sydney one would be no. <laughs> I should probably do a bit more digging and find myself like you know- a book. That's in Sydney. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking um, The Harp in the South, but now I can't remember if that's Sydney or Melbourne. I have read that one, but I can't remember if it's Sydney Ooh, or Melbourne. Who's that by? Um, oh, what's her last name? Ruth something. Parks, okay. maybe? Ruth Parks. That sounds right. I think so. Yeah, The um, Harp in the South. Actually, one which is kind of like Dickens in that it is very evocative of a certain time in Sydney yeah. is Razorhurst by Justine Labellestier. Okay. Um, and that if you are familiar with um, Underbelly, Underbelly Razor 
was I, I had to watch it as soon as I finished reading Razorhurst because it's um, set in 1930s Sydney in around Surrey Hills and the Rocks and it's all about the kind of the gang wars that were going on and it's a fictionalised version of that. But um, I think why it struck struck me so strongly is that I read it not long after I'd been to um, – the police museum in Sydney that's um, down near Circular Quay. Okay. Um, and they had a display there of all these amazing old um, photographs of like old mugshots and old crime scene photographs. And yes, I know I'm like super weird that that was like my holiday <laughs> activity, but it was a, a big display they were having. This is probably like three or four years ago now. And um, I think it was called City of Shadows. They did a book of it. But this guy who was on the front cover of the book that they did had the most haunting look. He was absolutely dreadful. Like you just look at him and you're like, you are a murderer. Like he just had this look about him. And it's the most amazing photograph because it just stays with you. Anyway, I um, I got to interview Justine later for something to do with work and she said that that guy was um, the real-life inspiration for one of the, the bad guys in the book. And so it's just always stuck with me. Oh. Like I've kind of always imagined it because when I was reading yeah. the book, having watched Underbelly before, it kind of all came to life for me and mm, I found it yeah. very evocative of that that gangster era of Sydney, which is um, kind of forgotten, but is such an interesting part of our history. And I think if yeah. you, if if anyone is at all familiar with the rocks and stuff, it, it still feels like that could be happening when you walk yeah. around it. Like that, that history feels so alive in the rocks. Oh, I'll have to get myself a copy of that. That sounds really good. Yeah, and because it's YA, it, like I think I read it in a couple of days. I could just. I got really into the story. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only other one that I can think of that suddenly sprung to mind is um, The Hate Race by Maxine. Oh, grief. I can't remember her surname. I think that was set in Sydney and I really enjoyed that. Um, that was out a year. That was a memoir and that was out a couple of years ago. And then one that I read recently, but again, not Sydney, but it's um, New South Wales, I think, was... Um, the Lost Flowers of Alice Hart by Holly Ringland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. So it's mainly just a book set kind of in Australia rather than <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure aren't um, all the all Melina Marquetta's books like set in Sydney? I believe so. Yeah. I feel like The problem I have is I can never remember if they're in, like if anything is in Sydney or in Melbourne. <laughs> I, I think so that there's like a whole – host of our readers who are like are you so guys annoyed with us right what now. are you doing I'm sorry we've not actually read <laughs> any Melina Marquetta books and I, I feel like we might have to edit this out so that we don't alienate <laughs> a bunch of people um I know that I've read a lot of um I've read a lot of other ones I just haven't read any of her I've read a lot of young adult books set in Melbourne but now that I'm trying to think of Sydney books it is incredibly hard Sydney that's what I'm sure as soon as we finish recording the podcast they will come to us in their droves but yeah my mind mind has drawn a bit of a blank (laughs) Mm -hmm. um not quite Sydney but um the Blue Mountains um we had Julian Letherdale on who wrote Palace of Tears and that was set in the Blue Mountains with like the hydro 
bath thing that used to oh, yeah. and that was very evocative of like a bush setting and stuff. Mm. So that was very good. Anyway, sorry to take that off on a tangent. Um, so I think that we've, we've actually had more questions in there, but we've kind of talked for as long as we kind of can include in the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Lucy. So nice speaking to you both as well. Um, where can people follow you online? So um, they can find me on Instagram. I think I said earlier, I think my handle is at the underscore lit edit. Um, Twitter, I'm the lit edit. And Facebook, I'm the literary edit. Um, my website's www.thelitedit.com. Fantastic. And everyone can also find us at Better Words Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our website is betterwordspodcast.com which you can find all of our show notes, episodes, although obviously you already know where to find them. Um, And because we're trying to do this whole self-promotion thing, we also have a Patreon where you can support us if you have the monetary means to do so. We'd really appreciate that. We're trying to get better at that (laughs) self-promotion. It still feels awkward. It feels so awkward. We'll get better at it. But thank you so much for joining us, Lucy. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.